everybody, and welcome to Lights, Camera, Exploitation, your guide to exploitive cinema. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my doppelganger, Kanga Banger, from Down Under, Mr. Brody Kane. Howdy, honkies. And returning from his glorious vacation in the wilderness, Mr. Slick Nick. Oh, it is good to be back. And we have a doozy of an episode for you today. But first, it's time for your slice of life. Brody, how goes it? Oh, mate. As I say every goddamn week, it all goes. It all goes down, down this way. Um, yeah, flat out at work. I mean, we're pretty short staff at the moment, but yeah, I'm fucking over it to be honest. Um, but yeah, I haven't really bought any Blu-rays. I considered buying one actually at the um over at Second Sight Films to pre-order a uh, well, the Babadook limited edition 4K and Blu-ray pre-order. So that's available on the 26th of July. So yeah, I'm actually considering buying that little gem that might have the old uh, Dook. But other than that, yeah, no, I've been very fucking boring this week. Watched this fantastic fucking film and did some notes for it and. Yeah, excited to talk about it. How about you, Slick Nick? How have you been, buddy? Not too bad. Uh, as everyone might know, I've been gone for a couple episodes now. Um, so I was gone for about 10 days on a road trip uh, with the the lovely friends of mine over uh, at Beetle Bros. Um, so we did basically just kind of like a national park tour thing for a while. Uh, pretty sure we went to like every single southwestern state in the U.S. <laughs> um so I'm still like recovering from all of those hikes uh, because lo and behold, someone who doesn't do much other than watch movies and, and play video games and has a desk job for eight hours isn't in the best shape to be hiking 16 miles a day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure all that uh, stretching didn't do you good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. You have to ask Cameron about that. A bit. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah no that was like a uh, once in a lifetime trip uh want to go back uh go back out there finish hiking the narrows at zion so that's like a bucket list thing now um but yeah mostly just kind of chilling out back at home relaxing and uh just kind of getting back into the routine of things um so yeah it's mostly just kind of been working and sleeping early every day (laughs) what about you tj what have you been up to in my absence podcast that's what i've been doing we do a lot of pre-production stuff on a short film more to come later yeah all that good stuff been talking to brody been talking to chad been talking to all my boys because we got a convention coming up next month august 13th through the 15th in pittsburgh pennsylvania at the monroeville convention center steel city comic-con come find the project louder booth and see all of your favorite hosts of project louder yeah and also pick up one of the con exclusive t-shirts because they're two fucking sweet yeah so i'm waiting for my copy of skin deep from severn films Ooh yeah baby yeah can't wait for that and that's gonna be awesome i don't have any other films coming in as of recently but i do have some on the wish list and of course that i will be pre-ordering very very soon again man just i just keep thinking about this uh jack frost 2 from mvd and how excited i am but you know what else i'm excited about and that is this episode and that is (laughs) edge of the axe from 1988 Six women, one man, all dead. Edge of the Axe. Gerald's a cool kid with a keen computer. Now that he's met Lillian, the lines of communication are definitely open. It's called Icarus. You can ask it anything you like. But the readout spells trouble. Wait a minute, what happened here? And murder is the mode. What shape is that body? Hamburger meat. A killer is loose and the whole town's on edge. Edge of the Axe. Directed by Jose Ramon Larez, who also did Vampires in 1974, Stigma in 1980, Rest in Pieces in 1987, and Deadly Manor in 1990. Writers, Joaquin, right? Yeah. Yes. Joaquin Amichatis, Javier Alareta, Jose 
Frad and Pablo de Aldabrana. Cinematographer Tote Trenes, who also did National Adultery in 1982, Alien Predator in 1986, and no, is not what you think, Deadly Manor in 1990, and The Greek Labyrinth in 1993. Music by Javier Alaretta, who is most known for his directorial work on films such as Blood Hunt in 1986, Blood and Sand in 1989, The Naked Target in 1992, and Psycho Game in 2006. Makeup department Colin Arthur, who worked on films such as Conan the Barbarian in 1982, The Neverending Story in 1984, The Rift in 1990, and Cthulhu Mansion in 1992, who was directed by Juan Piquer Simon, who directed Pieces. Producers Jose Fraud, editor Barry B. Lear, who also worked on Freddy's Dead and The Final Nightmare in 1991, Knight Rider 2000 in 91, The Colony in 1995, and Road Rage in 1999. Budget? Couldn't find that information. Starring Martin Falks as Gerald Martin, who also starred in Future Kill in 1980. Five, Christina Marie Lane as Lillian De- Nebs. Christina Marie Lane as Lillian Nebs, who also starred in The All-Nighter from 1987. Paige Mosley as Richard Simmons, <laughs> who also starred in Girls' Night Out in 1982. Hunk in 1987, The Jigsaw Murders in 1989, and Yesterday's Target in 1996. Fred Holiday as Frank McIntosh, who starred in Wind Across the Everglades in 1958, A Guide for the Married Man in 1967, The Marcus Nelson Murders in 1973, and Galactica in 1980, in the year 1980. Patty Shepard as Laura Simmons, who is from... My Dear Killer in 1972. The Killer is One of 13 from 1973. Crypt of the Living Dead in 1973. And Rest in Pieces in 1987. Alicia Mora as Rita Miller, who starred in The Exterminators of the Year 3000 in 1983, which is like a knockoff of Mad Max. And Dear oh. Nanny in 1986. Slugs in 1988. And Hot Blood in 1989. Jack Taylor as Christopher Kaplan, who starred in Conan and the Barbarian in 1982. The Ninth Gate in 1999. The Birthday in 2004 and Wax in 2014. Conrado San Martin as Ayodante Sam, who starred in The Black Duke in 1963, Boom Boom in 1990, Maestros in 2000, and Vampires in 2015. Brody? People in a small town are being hacked to pieces by someone wearing a creepy white mask. Law enforcement in the area is clueless as to who's behind the murder. So a young computer whiz named Gerald and his sort of girlfriend Lillian try to solve the mystery themselves. Will they find out the person's true identity and stop him before they get to the edge of the axe? Awards! Nada! I'm serious. It should have won best sitcom intro in a movie ever. It's definitely unique, and we'll talk about that more more to come. Yeah. So, boys, let's get physical. Okay, so we have a release from Era Video from January 28th, 2020. And I actually remember the day that I pre-ordered this film because I was super excited because that cover art is too sweet. Yeah, and that features a brand new 2K restoration from the original Cameron Negative English and Spanish language versions of the feature, original uncompressed mono audio, original English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, newly translated English subtitles for the Spanish soundtrack, which had Nick (laughs) over the moon. (laughs) I love it. Brand new audio commentary with actor Barton Falks. Brand new audio commentary with The Hysteria Continues. Newly filmed interview with actor Barton Falks. The Pain in Spain. A newly filmed interview with the special effects and makeup artist Colin Arthur. Image gallery reversible sleeve featuring originally and newly. I'll try that again. Reversible sleeve featuring original and newly commissioned artwork by Justin Osborne. Booklet in the US release and it's currently region free. And you can buy this on Era Video for eight years or Amazon on the US for $19.99. Both Brody and I own this release and we can say that it is certified loud. Oh yes, it is very sexy indeed. Visually and sound-wise. <laughs> Treat yourselves. Yes, absolutely. So we have some additional information about this film? Indeed we do. Uh, So... <clears throat> Uh, not a ton on it, but I did find a few interesting things here and there. So upon the uh, the film's release in the United Kingdom, uh, the violence actually had to be cut down in order to receive a proper rating and release and not get smacked with the video nasty. Uh, so it got it got its release after a whopping 26 seconds got cut out of the movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure they only had to cut down like a few axe chops each for like each murder just to get it. 
connected. It only had to be like whenever they connected. Yeah, yeah. I, that's all I could think of because even watching it, I was kind of like, I could see how. But this is one of the few the slasher would. films that actually show you the weapon connecting over and yeah, over again. It yeah. threw me off. <laughs> that's, it really did. Uh, so uh, another uh, Edge of the Axe is actually the final film credit uh, before the retirement of actor Patty Shepard, uh, who had a career spanning 50 film credits going all the way back to 1966 before the movie, uh, who was also the older sister of prominent TV actor Judith Chapman, i.e. Judith Shepard, uh, who has been in Magnum P.I. and every soap opera from the 80s to the 2000s, Silk Stockings, Days of Our Lives, The Young and the Restless, and General Hospital. And she was in like seasons of each. You know, um, you keep bothering me about doing a Days of Our Lives podcast that I just I just can't bring myself to do it, Nick. Damn it, man. <laughs> <laughs> we will do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least give us like one tree hill or something <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> I know. it's perfect <laughs> Just like the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, the majority of filming uh, was shot between two separate locations uh, with the outdoor shots pretty much almost entirely being filmed in Big Bear Lake in Ooh. California uh, with several indoor locations, including the car wash scene during the opening of the movie was actually shot in Madrid, Spain. Fucking it. And they relied on cross-cut editing techniques in order to make the locations appear to basically be the same town uh, when like half of the interior shots were shot in Madrid <laughs> and they just had everyone flying over there, which actually got uh, Falk really excited uh, whenever he basically got like the notice back. He got the part and it was like, cool, you got to fly to Spain now. Uh, <laughs> um, so the overall critical reception to the film was generally mixed. I think it still kind of is. If you look up reviews, you're going to find from kind of like three out of tens to about six and a half or so, I think was the highest I saw for it. Um, but the film scholar Scott Aaron Stein uh, wrote in his 2003 book, The Gorehound's Guide to Splatter Films of the 80s praised the production value of the movie, uh, saying that it was probably some of the best that LaRoz had uh, access to, which kind of bums me out. We couldn't see what the budget was, uh, but I could not find it either. Um, as well as sort of the direction changes throughout the movie that kind of keep you guessing. Mm. Uh, though, director Jose LaRoz himself does say that he considers the film to be his worst film. There's an alternate title for this film as well. Uh, I'll see if I can come up with it. Um, there's actually, there's a few. Yeah. It has a few different names throughout the different languages. My favorite is the West German one. I I think it's yes. like Axolation or something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> our friend, mutual friend Rod, Brody and I's mutual friend Rod, really loves this film. And he owns a Dutch VHS release, and it has Ooh. that name in it. Oh, okay. That's why I'm – is it Axolution? I think it's Axolution. Axolution. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that and being like, man, they should have just called it that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh yeah, though actor Fred Grossinger uh, that plays the officer, um, Frank, I believe his name is, throughout the movie, uh, he only had a total of 11 feature film credits as an actor. Uh, the majority of them are actually uncredited. I think he has... Yeah, he's got the 11. I think six were uncredited mm. entirely um, throughout the 50s into the 80s, though at that time he started over 1000 separate television commercials and 150 different TV shows in that time as well. So I like they really pulled a lot from like TV stars for this. Mm -hmm. uh, so pretty much if you've watched any TV show from the past century you'll probably have seen someone who's in this movie so it's like jason um, goes to hell yeah kind of honestly from what i could find it's very similar in the casting um the shooting uh, of edge of the axe uh, along with four other films that year at big bear lake actually did cause a pretty significant boom to the local economy i found a little little newspaper snippet from the county from that the year this came out uh, that said that San Bernardino County got an estimated $700,000 or $1.6 in today's money into the economy just from movies going out to film in there just because of like the sort of desert area that they've got as well as just the lake itself. Um, so I think this was not the only movie being shot there at the same time. And the county actually hired someone to coordinate all the different film teams around the county so they weren't like shutting roads down and stuff all at the same time and people could still 
still get to work at home. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh, that was about all I found. Brody, what did you have? So basically, the majority of my information comes basically from the Arrow release itself. And there was three interviews with two of the actors and um, the special effects makeup artists. So start off with um, actor Barton Folks. With an interview with him, he talks about the first time he heard of the film. So he is quoted to say that, I know that this one came through my agent, John Sikora. I took a look at the character and I said, yeah, I can see me playing this guy. I remember feeling like that I'm just going to blow this out of the water and have fun with it. I had done all of these things but had not landed that film and maybe I was getting bored and restless. But I think of what I did in the audition kind of surprised the director and he was like, hmm, this guy is standing out. So I was extremely overjoyed. But not only that, we are going to Spain to film. Wow, I I enjoyed bringing this character to life and just really wanted to sink my teeth into it. And it was a lot of fun making a horror film. So he also goes on to talk about the special effects artist Colin Arthur. We had Colin Arthur who had gotten his start by doing the gorillas in 2001 Space Odyssey. So he had really come a long distance and was very skilled. He had a lot of confidence and he definitely knew what he was doing. So to have that element available of realism where you can trust that they're going to do a great job and it makes you relaxed. Me, I didn't get to get involved with that. I wasn't in the car wash scene where someone gets killed. Folks also goes on to discuss the killer throughout the making of the film. So they would put the mask on somebody else, my stand-in or a woman, to mix it up so that it was never really clear who was the killer to keep you guessing. And the only way to do that was that. So I think that the one moment that sticks out is towards the end of the film, the gloved hand, the steps up the stairs and another couple of shops, and but that's about it. So the killer thing was really a lot of other people playing the killer other than just me. He also goes on to talk about his life choices after filming the film. So, well, I made a choice. In, in fact, a year after we did the film, after I flew back from Spain, I spent some time in LA. I took some classes at Santa, I took some classes at Santana Monica College and I was really interested in teaching. And there was a moment a year later where I said, honestly, I want to get back to Texas and I want to be a teacher. My work in a way kind of moves in with the work that students that I've taught go on to pound the pavement as we speak and I couldn't be more proud. I think that the ability to have that positive effect on my students, that's the kind of legacy right there. Oh, yeah, true. So I really, I, I wanted to throw this little, little <laughs> bit of trivia in there. So Barton Folks was actually nearly casted as the lead in The Fly too. He nearly was got that part fly. of Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Ah, that'd be Thank cool God if he did. Stoltz. Oh yeah! No, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that was good, but I mean, like, it would have been cool for this episode if he did. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, like, Stoltz is Stoltz is the man back then. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. Just a fun little fact there. So, but I'll get move on to um, now the interview with Paige Mosley. Um, he talks about his experience on getting the role for the film. Um, I had just got some sides. They said it was going to be a horror film shooting in Spain. I had a daughter that was not quite a year old and it made me think, do I really want to do this? I had a couple of auditions and got casted pretty quick, but going to Spain was easily the furthest that I've had to go to shoot something. And it was great. I had done, I hadn't done any huge or massive films. I had done some other horror films and TV movies of the week, but nothing too big. So when you get a gig like this, you potentially think that, oh yeah, this is the one this is what's going to kick off the rest of my career but other than that it was just a great experience and i had a really great time over there and he proceeds to uh, talk about the director well jose spoke english for sure i think that he treated us initially with the little kid gloves because we were from the united states and maybe we were different from any other actor in the world doesn't matter where you're from and what i liked about him the most was that eventually he had at least trusted me well at least i felt that way and i trusted him if i had said a line a different way or ad-libbed a line or two to whatever we were shooting during that scene he basically let me do whatever i wanted to do however it did take a while so we move on from that to special effects artist colin arthur and he talks about his time and experience on the film i had no problems putting in front of the camera what they needed it was easy it was easy and i'm not aware of any problems from when i was doing the special effects for the picture but looking at the axes i can't remember doing it but my studio is full of axe props that I must have made. Big or small films, 
I make the weapons out of plastic and film so that there is zero possibility of hurting someone. Problem is, is that there has to be special effects guys there changing the props with duplicates because the majority of those axes could potentially do 10 to 40 hard strikes onto the body to which you just hand the actor another after each take. At least there's no damage and you can have these uh, longer rehearsals between the actors. Fucking A. Makes sense. The, the amount of striking that's fucking involved in this film. so he goes on to talk about one of the scenes in the film now seeing the sequence where the girl at the end gets her fingers cut off i did that as a hand made in alginate and cut with a real axe it worked very well and they cut it out of the film maybe because it worked too well i don't know i put tubes inside the hand and then i would pull the tubes back and mark the tube on its side but then pull them back again to the wrist, connect all those tubes up to blood on high pressure. The hand would love these tubes. The hand would leave these tubing holes that I would fill up with blood. And so it doesn't matter where the axe hits because the fingers will bleed no matter what. I was really pleased with this sequence. And finally, he goes on to talk about designing the mask for the film. I remember blanking out a face because we all look at the face and we all fix on the eyes. But if you completely blank a face out, it can give a very funny look. And I must have been asked by Jose because I've taken a life cast of somebody, put clay over the mouth and nose. So I've covered over those, made another mold, filled that mold with latex and then pulled that over the artist so that all of the characters' movements of the face is there, but it's not there and gives a funny feeling. I must say that I've done it two or three times for different films. It's a great effect. However, it is a bit bad on the back of the head, but it doesn't matter because it was a mask. And that is it. Hope you enjoyed this segment. Let's talk about it. Favorite performance of the film, Brodicke? Would it be cheating if I said the killer? Why? Well, because originally I had our lead actor, the, uh, what's his name? Martin. Yes, that guy. But then I originally changed it to the killer because I love, I'm, look, I'm always fascinated on what makes each serial killer tick mm. throughout any film and what they do in society. And I think that it's a fun thing to see unfold, right, in the horror world. But I just love how brutal they are in this film. I mean, the way they swing that fucking axe around like it's nothing in this film, it, it's fucking sinister and scary. Mm. And to see that all laced out on screen is incredible. I mean, the way they move just goes to show that they they just cut to the chase, no pun intended, and definitely do not fuck around with their victims. And that's what I love about this character. I mean, the other characters, yeah, I mean, they just felt a little bit bland to me, but this ca- this killer is fucking a force to be reckoned with. Fair enough. I think uh, it was well said, Brody. I think the people that, that, that did play the killers in this film did a fantastic job. It's, uh, yeah, I... You don't see many horror films from this time really show contact, and this film shows plenty of it. I love the effects. I love the the, the odd storyline. Yeah, but for, for, for performance-wise, uh, what's his name? Barton. He yes. does a really cool performance in this film where is he the killer, but he's not. And right. it, it's all kind of like, well, from this perspective, it could be this way, and from this perspective, it could be that way. And I think that this film plays off of that very, very well. And I think that Barton's performance really allows that to happen. Especially in that scene where he made, he has the girl come over for the first time and they're looking at the computers and she's like, oh, can I have a Coke? Goes to his fridge. But then it was the way he turns around and looks at her and then slowly creeps back, just still looking at him with a big It makes you second made- guess if there's something wrong with yeah. him or is there something wrong with her? Yes. Yeah. He's got that exactly campy level of creep and at the same time like a underlying real not campy now, actually creepy level of creep i do want to mention it. uh like so in italy there was you know of course the giallo craze that we talked about last episode with our what was it no two episodes ago with our phenomena episode uh this film there was a spanish giallo craze as well this film takes a lot of cues from that no brody picked up on it but a lot of these stalking sequences and especially visual cues can be picked up straight from jally films i mean what's that the uh what do we want to call it the whore the town whore oh yes yes uh, rita that entire <laughs> sequence almost seemed like it could have been from a jally film yeah yeah no i that was the pretty much the first thing that came to my fucking head yeah 
um, when I when I saw the, the the whole chase sequence of the fucking feed, and, you know, the personal point of view, the gloves, mm-hmm. especially the glove with you see the glove with the axe, like that is a huge yeah. yeah fucking shot. And now also think about the last shot of the film and how it holds on a neon soaked face and eyes of a woman. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It just takes so oh, much. with her yeah doing the. And there's the fact Over, that it's a woman yeah. is a very jolly thing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 cool. I love it. I love how this film story plays out. I guess we'll talk about that later. Uh, Nick, performance? So mine's kind of a tie a little bit. Okay. Um, so Barton Falk definitely as yeah. Gerald Martin. Um, but I would also say Christina Marie Lane as well as Lillian. Um, just because hers is a lot more subtle up until the end. The third act is I pretty balls out with her. It just kind of just yeah. to the wall. Yeah. Um, but like the kind of build up to it, uh, especially with the scene on the swing set when she kind of has her like right? little psychotic episode when she's like, "Duh, my cousin who supposedly doesn't exist." He handles I, it very my- well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> hey, uh, he does not handle breaking yes, the news yes. to her well, because I would say somebody who is suffering from psychosis, you don't grab them uh, and wrestle them to a computer screen and be like, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a psychologist would be like, that's that's the way you approach that situation. Yeah. That's how a computer <laughs> geek approaches that situation. Exactly. Yes, that is how a guy who thinks that a, an IBM AT is brand new in 1988. But- but you also have to take into effect uh, that they gave you some exposition that his family wasn't extremely loving. So he's slightly oh, disconnected yeah. from He's emotion. a little weird yeah. himself. So yeah. him reacting in that way, is it totally out of character? Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. It, it just It's just the part of both of their characters. I think they both played them really well. So mm-hmm. kind of in the end, it, it sort of ended up as a tie for me. And then Paige Mosley as Richie, Richard Simmons, his uh, exterminator buddy, was also great in just how campy and almost comedic relief you he think, was. You uh, think he got like, a wet on that? That boat or I am positive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after uh, his lady friend or whatever reached in and touched the, the head and then ran out and was like eh! <laughs> at the Fair front enough. of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about a, de- a decapitated head, just to be clear. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna make a joke. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I left it open. <laughs> <laughs> Insert head joke here. Uh, yes. <laughs> and waterhead. <laughs> Set piece, boys. I love the entire town itself. Those yes. day, day exterior shots look fucking fantastic. America and Spain? Honest. Yeah, Americana Spaniono. Yeah, <laughs> I think it looks yeah. great. It's like a small mountain town setting. Um, but I, I've got to give an honorable mention to the scene we were talking about before. Now, I do believe it is a train yard that she's running through, the prostitute. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that scene was like lit extremely well. I love train I mean, yards. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a fucking random place to meet up, but being a prostitute anywhere is good, I suppose. If you're going to get some uh, dollars, so yeah, it was um a hundred to be exact. Ready. She was expensive, a <laughs> hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, let me see. What wasn't that she was. also like blackmailing people? Hold on, let me check what that is with inflation. Keep going. <laughs> I was going to say, well, how much is that today? <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna guess around three hundred bucks. I'm gonna say three twenty. Ooh, it's forty four percent. Oh, are we going prices right rules? <laughs> Closest without going over wins. <laughs> three twenty. Come on, three twenty. One. Oh, uh, two thirty. Ah, we both went over. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's oh, I guess maybe it was about she charges in modern day money two hundred thirty. I was gonna say because that seven hundred, <laughs> yeah, because that seven hundred k. Or whatever, being to like 1.6, I figured roughly double and then a tiny uh, bit more. It's <laughs> pretty, I mean, for like the cop said, pretty expensive on his wages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a fifth of a paycheck for me. <laughs> I just looked at it. I wasn't quite sure where Big Bear Lake was. Uh, we passed really close by it oh, okay. on this trip. Yeah. Getting over to uh, by like Santa Clarita where our Airbnb was in the L.A. area. 
We passed like right by this place. I was just going to say, it might be $320 e-dues, mate. Oh, and oh. Australia, he's like, you he's know like, what? You adjust for, it, adjust for inflation and then do the exchange rate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to catch you in a technicality if it's going to be the death of me. <laughs> so what is it? Two, three, I will win. USD to AUD. This fucking guy. Oh my God, 312. <laughs> <laughs> close. Close. I won in that <laughs> I was the closest not going over. Actually, oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you, Brody. <laughs> Brody might be right because we're actually on a fluctuation right now. We checked the other day. We're, we're dipping right now. So it might go oh, back shit. up. So it actually might go to Brody's number. Oh, <laughs> we sitting there watching like the freaking price of the exchange rate. Just like, come on. <laughs> come on, you bosses. At some point uh, in your future, Brody's estimation might be correct. But let's talk about set pieces now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to get oh. that out of the system. But yeah, oh, man. train yard setting, exterior of the fucking town. I love it. Fantastic. Beautiful shit. What do you reckon, boys? Car wash, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. I kind of wanted to say car wash, especially that the outside is shot in California and the inside of the car wash is shot in fucking now, Madrid. Do the Nebs own the general store? Is that a general store? Uh, I think so. Okay. That's um, a pretty cool set too, uh, only because it's, it's totally Spaniard trying to make something look American. And it's just, oh. let's just put a bunch of shit on the walls. The same thing is uh, done in pieces where they take the kids' rooms and they just fucking layer movies posters perfectly at 90 degree angles the whole way around the room and again they did it here too and did anybody notice inside okay barton's character what's gerard Uh, gerald gerald Gerald. his hut is cool as fuck hell yeah it is but what's with the dudley do right sticker on the on the computer what me steal me break the law sadly yeah but then i'd be dudley do wrong do wrong's nice i like that it's kind of uh it's kind of french you know uh dudley do wrong uh, i'm so confused I thank you. Thank you. He was showing that off, and I was like, is that is that a fucking Dudley Do-Right sticker on the side of this monitor? When it looked, I said to stop, I had to pause the movie and look up Dudley Do-Right. I was like, it fucking is. Do you guys notice uh what movie poster was on his was on his wall that they kept showing over and over again? Oh, there was, and I can't fucking remember what it was. I am a massive nerd, so I was staring at those IBM PC clones that he was yeah. gushing over. <laughs> I am him. Set piece, Nick. Damn it. I don't want to say the car wash now because I don't want to keep using ones that have already been said. <laughs> um, I would say the hog farm. Yes. For my, uh, it, it just it's uh, it's so intimidating and pre- like the inside of the actual house itself is so much smaller than you would think. So it's like so claustrophobic. Yeah. While the um the one woman uh, is getting like chased back into the kitchen while he's ham- like axing the, the, uh, the door down when she's going out the back and everything. When she's the, getting uh, axed is so neat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she like runs outside and then stops, pauses, takes a minute, looks around, turns, unscrews the light bulb outside, takes a look around again, and I'm like, get the fuck in the goddamn barn! What are you doing? <laughs> Fucking A. Like, I, I, I just like the whole hog form. Yeah. Uh, I was absolutely convinced the moment that it started at the beginning, whenever we see the uh, the pig get its head up, cut off and they put yeah. it in the bed. I thought someone was getting fed to some pigs. Right. I was kind of disappointed no one got fed to some pigs. Dude, we just got to, <laughs> hey, it, I'm just happy that we got to talk about pigs again for the second episode in a row. I mean, uh, I know you weren't. You weren't. I here wasn't here. Backs too. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> fuck uh, it. Wish it could have been. <laughs> Favorite scene or shot? Well, I had the whole opening scene. Yeah. Shot, and I think it sets the mood for the entire film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's especially yeah those first fucking five minutes of the film, you know. But it, I, what I really like about it is the color grading on it. Like yeah. That blue, I think it works extremely well, and it definitely makes our uh, villain pop a little bit more on camera, especially with that white mask and dark green tre- trench coat. You could yes. say, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, just oh, um, it's, it's, it's a brutal fucking scene, and those axe swings into the victim is fucking something else i like how it's portrayed how he looks like a phantom behind that fucking glass mm-hmm. that glass you can't see through and then you just see him sort of come out of the fucking nowhere and 
Yeah, take her out. Yeah, I really enjoyed that scene. Mm. That windshield shatter shot of him hitting it with that is pretty dope. Actually, really cool shot. Awesome. Yeah, I agree with the color gradient thing. It puts a lot of contrast on it, especially once the blood starts flying. It helps. It's made especially well for a fucking Spanish film, dude. I mean, I've seen some Spanish Jolly films from the 70s, and I'll tell you what, the budget shows, but this one, it, it's mm. it's fantastic. It looks very good. Yeah, oh, no, it, it looks great. It kind of surprises me that Laraz dislikes it as much as he does. Um Cause like, I don't know. I mean, for what it's worth. Yeah. Those shots are really crisp. When we do his other films, I think we'll, we'll make a, we'll try to make a best comparison. Oh yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I guess if I had to say one, uh, Probably just even the shot of what we got. I know he said that they kind of cut it out with having the uh, the real or the alginate hand hitting it with the real axe that the finger cut scene from when she puts her hand on. I think it's what, like the pantry door or something that she's like trying to go through and he cuts it off and then she has to run back out. That one's probably one of mine. Just the tension building up to that all just leading to just as and it's so abrupt. Just hand on the door frame done. It, and then immediately just cutting back to running back in the other direction. It's it's great. Uh, I have a question about that. Well, I'll bring that up in the next fucking. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I can get it. <laughs> Sent an attachment. <laughs> it's just all it's oh no. You don't follow Dawn of the Discs. Official Vinegar Syndrome app. Oh. Launch in eight days. Oh. Well, I might be able to get to see the seller. Yeah. Oh, no. And uh, the caller. I just heard both of y'all's pants tighten like <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my favorite scene. Oh, I'll tell you what, man. That whole third act really does it for me. I really like how the story really wraps up real quick at the end there. It, yeah. I, I love it. It's really rad. Mm. Yeah. I'll say it's a good one. Um, also, shout out to the scene with the uh, uh, one girl driving, what was it, Christopher or whatever, the drunk dude home. Uh, yeah. And he, he fucks her up and <laughs> runs her off the road and then the killer hides in his place or whatever. Scares her whenever she comes over to check on him. That was a good one, too. I do love the delicious taste of cu- using a cutaway for that scene because it makes it just that more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Fucking awesome. Favorite oh, yeah. effect or death? Ooh. Well, I had May Heatherly as Anna Bixby. You know, um, her death scene. He's the one that stands out to me the most, um, especially as that killer hides in the pantry, like Nick mm. discussed in his previous question. Mm-hmm. Um, while she reaches for the shotgun bullets, I mean, I, only to have her fingers docked off, I could actually feel that pain. Not that I have oh. had my fingers docked off, but it just looked so fucking real for its time. Um, but then just to be repeatedly fucking axed down in a well-lit room. I mean, we see everything. <laughs> we see literally right. everything. Going axed in down in a well-lit best. room. <laughs> um, great <laughs> album name. That is great. <laughs> great punk <laughs> album. <laughs> Actually, this is the question I had for that scene because – I was trying to wrap my head around the fact that the killer is in a dark, but she's mm. still reaching into a pantry. So is in her pantry another room? Uh, I mean, because she's reaching like into a walk-in the pantry, pantry. That's what I'm thinking. But like, there's two separate lighting fucking schemes going on there. Like he's in the pitch black or pitch darkness, whatever. Fuck. I think it's saying. just a closet. It's a larger closet because they're a wealthier family, so they have a bigger closet for the pantry. So I it's think it's that he's just standing there. Yeah. yeah. My my grandma's pantry is the same way. Yeah. Like you go in from the kitchen, and if you you had the light off in there and the light on in her kitchen it's pitch fucking black and it's a whole like walk-in thing i think she's just reaching like, in there because she doesn't want to have to go in there open the door make noise turn on the light and look she knows where they're at so she's just going to reach in there and grab them and then yeah it was, yeah, yeah like i was saying the one thing that really did confuse me is when she opens the door up it's extremely fucking well lit inside that pantry then it cuts to him uh, in a pitch black room. So I was thinking maybe oh, oh. the lighting difference might have, that's what threw me off sort of thing. Does, like, he, is o- that a does she ever like- open the pantry door or she just crack it? Because then he crack, when they crack it, there's part of him is lit. Cause that's, cause she has to crack the door. You might be off to the side. Yeah. Cause she has to crack the door in order to open it up to get her hand in to grab the shotgun shells. So what if she just cracked it and that's what you saw? Yeah. Uh, uh, Cause I was thinking maybe it's ex- lit extremely too because when they cut back they show her and her arm reaching in but when they show her she's completely lit and then they show the killer and he's fucking dark as shit minus that one part of his face yeah Yeah. she didn't go in the pantry she just opened the door she just put her hand in to grab it yeah yeah because yeah you just see her hand lit extremely well like the light is on in the pantry but then it cuts back to so but i guess it's yeah it's Mm. all taken in the one place but maybe the lighting and editing didn't play too well i was just confused that's all it's not a flawless film (laughs) It might just be a continuity or lighting. 
Yeah. Uh, light works different. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, so it works different everywhere. Inside the pantry, over in Spain, fly back and fly back. <laughs> The outside of the pantry was filmed in Big Bear Lake. <laughs> we like that side more, so. <laughs> the door just was eh, mahogany on this one. We wanted oak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the peekaboo kill. I think that's fucking rad as shit. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a kill, but uh, like the whole way that the killer does the whole peekaboo thing and the off screen and the choice to do the, the death off screen after showing such violent intense murders is just so cool to me because that was definitely a decision that where they're like ah, we don't have the budget so they're like fuck it we'll just cut away but I, i'd yeah. rather prefer the cutaway any day it's a nice reprieve yep from Change every kill yeah is actually just you watch them get axed for i mean that does explain the alternate title of axe solution so exactly they should have kept Axolation. <laughs> telling you, we all should have got the West German release. <laughs> I want to. I want to name my band after that. Right, Axolution. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We're Axolution. <laughs> I can see you're now featuring Corpse Grinder. <laughs> Nick. Oh yeah. Um, I was gonna probably go with uh the uh going back, I guess, to the the hog farm um that death for it just because it stands out slightly different because she doesn't get finished off with the axe in that one yeah because he runs out and <laughs> he eats shit <laughs> and hits her in the leg with the axe which again i told you man i was laughing a whole bunch throughout this yeah. movie there's a lot of camp to it yes specifically the the music where they have a, a horrible scene of death and then it's Richie and fucking Gerald joking in the car while it's playing the goddamn days of our lives theme song over it. But like it that and there was the little chuckle for a second that he hits her in the leg. I was like, oh shit, okay, now it's getting real again. And hits her with the axe one time, but he just pulls her up and finishes it with a hammer. Like that one I thought just kind of seemed the most brutal to me because it wasn't a whole like axe thing or everything. He just kind of at that point I figured must have been tired and just was like, oh, okay, that's enough. And then just took a hammer and went bonk, and then it was over. And it cut <laughs> to the next one. Emotions. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, probably my second would be, uh, Rita's would be the, uh, the train yard one. Rita! Rita! <laughs> yeah, uh, Rita is too fucking cool. I love the whole Jalo thing. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, thoughts on the story, that will segue like a mall cop into this one. Also, <laughs> I kind of already mentioned earlier about the, how I felt some, like, Jolly influences on this film, and I just really love the fact that you can pick up on that, especially with, uh, Spanish cinema. Yeah, I think the story is super on par with uh, the films of the era and it uh, takes inspiration from films of the past, of especially uh, from from the area of Spain. And like we said, the aforementioned train yard sequences, super derivative of that sort of stuff. And yeah, I think it, it, it stands out only because the, the characters and the unique setting uh, in a world where everything's a camp. And I mean, the mask, you can be like, oh, it kind of looks like Michael Myers, but no, it doesn't. It, I, can, I think it has its own little no, flair to it. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's super interesting and I'd love to see one of the artists out there do their own take on it. You know, I, I, I a hundred percent agree with you on everything you just said, and it's definitely a well executed, uh, slasher film and it, it's a fun film to watch. It, it's enjoyable to watch actually. Mm -hmm. Through and through. Um, yeah. Visually the storytelling, you know, the kills are cool. The cheese has, is there. Yeah, exactly. It has everything yeah. I want in a slasher film. Mm -hmm. You know, you got this iconic slasher villain, uh, the practical effects, violence, and most importantly, adjustable fucking twist to sell the film yeah. at the end. I mean, it's a win in my books. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it at all. One of the first times in a slasher movie where I just straight up got blindsided out of it. I was like, I genuinely did not see that one coming at all. I think that can be attributed to just because the, the two mains performances are just so fucking batshit crazy that you, it's so impossible to tell. And they play that red herring aspect of the story mm -hmm. up to like, I mean, do they beat it? Like a dead horse? Almost. But I think the characters are just so over the top that it, it works. It fucking yeah. works. Everybody's a red herring in this film. Everybody has an axe. Everybody has a trench coat. But guess what? At the end, they make it clear. So abundantly fucking clear when he says, at least there won't be no murders in this town anymore. And she looks up and smiles. Like, that is just too fucking cool of an ending. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty it, sick. There was even times where... Uh, Barton Folks, the our lead actor. I I could see hints, subtle hints of Jim Carrey in there. I don't know if it was the way it's he the smile, or, man. It is. Yeah, it was really um, it was the way his body movement and posture was exposed on camera. I don't know. Chip, I, but, yeah. Chip from Cable Guy. 
Wow, the old McNair place. Never thought they'd get the floors clean after what happened in here. What happened? They had a lot of cats. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Because whenever he actually plays yeah. genuinely unhinged, he can he can be creepy. <laughs> like Jim Carrey could probably do stuff. horror. That's yeah. a hot take. I'll say it. Yeah, that's actually really cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm pretty similar. Um, opinion, at least coming out of over here. Um, yeah, no, I, I genuinely liked it. It felt very uh, when it came to them sitting down, looking up stuff together on the computers and everything. Mm-hmm. It felt war games meets slasher movie. I yeah. got kind of big war games vibes from them. Just kind of whenever they were doing like the whole talking to each other over it and yeah. having the the guy absolutely read the lines yes. so to kind of merge into our last topic here i do love the commentary of if our relationship relies on machines it will ruin it is that not a modern day fucking metaphor oh my god does yes. every relationship not rely on that text message now pretty right. much absolutely yeah fuck I mean, it's yeah, it's where it's been headed for a don't very we long all time. just want to go back to a time where you could date and not have to worry about texting someone back or calling someone or posting on social media. Like, I just love the fact that that's talked talked about in this film, touched on very briefly, but it's still a theme here. You could definitely see how that expectation of him responding to her and her being let down lended to her, what do you want to say, cracking again? Yeah, or kinda. it almost kind of seemed yeah. like she had like a, this can kind of help sort of thing. And then when they were relying too much on both being at the same yeah. terminal at the same time. Uh, it caused frustration like, and turmoil within yeah. the characters. Yeah, I will say it, it again. It's that sort of like technology and this is 1988 overarching yeah the raz is much better of a filmmaker than he actually gives himself credit for yeah he can hate this film all he wants 83 but we're touching on subjects that are don't come around for another 30 years the guy's a fucking visionary i mean you can't tell me i'm wrong because it's so fucking here and in your face throughout the entire film of this relationship that's completely based on the mutual interest of video games and contacting on computers. It's it, it's nuts. And that's what I took Aww. away from the film. It's so ahead of its time. And amongst the slasher ranks, like, where does it stand? That's what I want to hear from you boys. Where does this stand amongst slasher films? Amongst slasher films? I I would put it almost on par with Scream for that sort of meta um, look into the future, okay. really, while just kind of remaining a part of the genre. Um, Scream, I think, sort of did it for the film industry itself. I think this did it for technology. Fucking A. Ready? Mm. Yeah, no, I um, I definitely agree with what you said, TJ. I, that was the first thing that came to my head. And even the, the opening credits scene where we get that laced out computer-esque fucking typing mm-hmm. for the, like, all the cast and crew. I mean, if that's not like a big thing to put like they're not rubbing it in your face but they're just subtle showing you and hinting that this film is pretty much based around technology mm-hmm. and what it's going to be in years to come um and the subtle themes and hints throughout the film i mean they blend it extremely well with a slasher film it's a different approach i've never seen this in any other slasher film from mm-hmm. the 80s at least or 90s so it was kind of um cool to play on that i mean you could potentially say this was the film that started that trend mm-hmm. that we get um Oh, what was that? Fear.com. Do you guys yeah, remember that yeah, one? Yeah. Early 2000s? I, I feel and, like a lot of uh, where that movie went could not have happened without something like this first. And, the, and there was another slasher film, uh, My Little Eye. I think they had cameras set up around the house. Was, I can't remember. It was a fucking, I think it was late 90s maybe. Okay. But there was like oh. this house and there was cameras oh. set up around the house and it was a slasher film, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, actually, same year as Fear.com, 2002. Yes. Um, so, oh, know, yeah. Like this, yeah. But the other takeaway I have from this film, how fucking awesome that killer looks in this film. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is literally... I literally never fucking heard of this film, saying anything about it until I saw on Instagram one day a photo of the fucking killer. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Who is that? I've got to fucking see mm-hmm. what it is. And it was this film. I was like, damn, that looks fucking sick. And then I looked up the poster, but it was the Arrow release poster. And I was like, I really need to see this film. So that's what got me hook, line, and sink to actually 
check this fucking film out. Well, originally when Arrow announced this film, I uh, found out about it. I never heard of it before that. And then uh, it came and I got it in January and I was just completely blown away. So that's one of your- Yeah. Yeah. The impact of that photo just fucking had me. Yeah. That artwork is too fucking cool, man. And then of course, now I have two other Jose Larraz films. I have Deadly Manor uh, that Arrow also did. And then also Rest in Pieces, which I think Vinegar Syndrome did. Both interesting films. Yeah. Deadly Manor is one that I want to see. Yeah. Also another cool killer on that. So, okay, boys, let's rate this son of a bitch. And this week we'll be soaking wet car wash murders out of five. And let's start off with the returning slickless Nicholas. Mm. Um, I'm probably going to have to go ahead and give it a 3.5, I think. Fair score, Brody Kane. Yeah, I was going to go with... Uh... I'll go with a 3.4. I'm going to give it a 3.2, and that is an LCE score of 3.4 out of 5 soaking wet car wash murders, and that is for 1988's Edge of the Axe, directed by Jose Larraz. Is that right? I think it's Larraz. Larraz. Laraz, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much if it's Spanish, if it's an A, it's an ah sound uh, for the most part. Come to my house and choke me. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> What's next episode, guys? Oh, it appears to be Strike Commando from what I'm looking at. Can't do that film. Ooh, was, was it like Congo? Are we going to do another Aussie film? I don't know. It's up to Nick. Is it your pick? Is it my pick? Is it a- uh, we didn't do uh, Man from the Deep River while I was gone, right? Region locked. Oh, it was? You can only get the DVD from the multi-pack. Yet. <laughs> Damn it. I didn't realize that. Uh, let me take a look at the, the list we had here originally. What was your other picks? So I think Lake Mungo was actually ended up being mine after. Well, here, we'll just do this. So guys, just stay tuned next week for another episode of Lights, Camera, Exploitation. We're excited to see you guys again. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, signing off. This is your doppelganger, Kanga Banger, all the way from motherfucking down under saying, I'll catch you next week, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Slick Nick finally back saying it's good to be back and I can't wait for next week. You're the night here in this town. Something weird took place. They say that a woman died. No one knows why. Everybody is suspected. Anybody could have been. I said, hey, you, where were you yesterday? I said, hey, you, where were you yesterday? Yeah.